I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share with you this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And just to give you a little overview on where we've come, uh, we've been going through the last three chapters of the book of Matthew. Now the cool thing is, each of these chapters and each of these messages could stand by itself in a lot of ways. And so those of you who are joining us and hearing some of these uh, passages for the first time, don't panic. You don't have to know what happened the two messages prior in order to stay up with us. This is uh, the cool thing about the Bible is uh, we open that up, we start reading, we realize, wow, there's some really good stuff here that's applicable for me right here, right today. And... What we've seen the last couple of weeks is this narrative, this story that's unfolding. The story that's taking place, walking from the point of Jesus communicating with his followers. Hey, this is coming. This is going to happen. And their lack of understanding as to what that really meant. All the way leading up to his arrest, his trial, and his crucifixion. And now as we read first thing this morning, you enter this section of scripture where you see that he did not stay dead, but that he rose again. And uh, one thing I I like to do, uh, especially on days like today, is give us a main point or main thought process. Essentially, I'm going to tell you, uh, if you don't get anything else out of this talk, other than what I'm about to share with you, then that's okay, because this is the main point, all right? So, uh, some people I communicate with, and I say, if as long as you hear this first point, uh, then you could take your nap and be ready for after service, it's okay. And I'm I'm joking, but it's okay, you're not going to be ridiculed if you fall asleep, all right? But the point, the main point I want to communicate with you today is apart from the resurrection, there is no gospel. Apart from the resurrection, there is no gospel. And if you aren't sure what the word gospel means, that's okay. Many of us wonder, and even those of us who've been raised in the church, a lot of times we hear the word gospel, and we even use the word gospel. And we don't really know what the word gospel means. And so we're going to talk about that, we're going to highlight that. And discuss that further. And at the end of today, my goal is that this rings true for you. That you understand clearly that apart from the resurrection, which is what we're celebrating, there is no gospel. Now, as I was getting ready to prepare for this Sunday, I came across uh, this uh, quote from an unknown source uh, in an article titled, How... To be miserable. (laughs) And many of you are going, wait a minute, this is not how I anticipated this going right off the bat. But this said, how to be miserable. Think about yourself, talk about yourself, use I as often as possible, mirror yourself continually in the opinion of others, listen greedily to what people say about you. Expect to be appreciated, be suspicious, be jealous and envious, be sensitive to slights, never forgive a criticism, trust nobody but yourself, 
insist on consideration and respect, demand agreement with your own views on everything, sulk if people are not grateful to you for favors shown them, never forget a service you have rendered, shirk your duties if you can, do as little as possible for others. That's a hefty list. And the reality is, and again, I I say this every week, almost every week, that I do not exclude myself from any of this. We could pull out several of these that we struggle with. Every single one of us here. Because the reality is, as human beings, naturally, we're just have a tendency to want to think about ourselves. And it's because we want to take care of ourselves and we want to take care of our families and we want to do these things in the order we want to do them. And if anyone disrupts that, it's their problem, not mine. We live in a culture that's really full of self-help, right? It's full of self-promotion, self-service. We go to work in order to make money for ourselves. We make life decisions that benefit ourselves. We even tend to come to church for ourselves. Then when trials come and things go wrong, we often try to find anyone else to blame aside from ourselves. Now, the interesting thing is D.L. Moody quoted this and said, God sends no one away empty except for those who are already full of themselves. It's an interesting thought. Not something we often come into a church building thinking But today, on this Easter Sunday, I want us to consider how this day might be different if it had been us. If we had been responsible for saving ourselves. If Jesus had not taken the fall, but rather it really did come back to our doing, our payment, our life, what would change. The first thing that we would recognize, if it had been us, there would be no celebration, rather mourning on this day. Look at Matthew 28, verse starting in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Now, the reality of this is, they were going to the tomb to mourn. They were going to the tomb, which was common in this day practice, to uh, spread well-smelling ointment and herbs around the decaying body to prevent the smell from coming out of the tomb. This was a normal process. Three days after they had visualized and watched Jesus sacrificed, The pain of that is still there. In fact, we can attest to that even in our own personal lives, that years later, after we've lost someone that we cherished and loved, the pain is still there. 
And we go to their graveside and we visit and the emotions well back up and we know, we understand what mourning is. But the truth of this being that mourning happens because we recognize and feel a loss, an intense loss within us that causes us to grieve. And there's a hole there that can't be filled. And it's always there. And the reality is, if it had been us, they would have gone, the ritual would have still happened, and just like we do today, they would still be mourning, we would still be mourning. There would not be celebration. There would not be hope. There would be grieving. Being worthy of death, being worthy of punishment as opposed to Christ, being worthy of all glory and honor, we would still be dead. Ephesians 2 verse 1 communicates with us that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, past tense, but God, everyone say, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, made us alive together in Christ. If it had been us, it would have said, you are dead in your trespasses and sins, and it would have ended right there. That's it. No but, no glory, no shift in that. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it would simply state, for the wages or the payment for sin is death. Period. No gift. No transition. No hope in the midst of that. John 3.16 would no longer be true. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. That would not exist. Romans 5.8 that says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would simply state that while we were still sinning, we died. And stayed dead. When Christ appeared out of the tomb, church, I want you to hear this. When Christ appeared out of the tomb, it reconciled this great chasm, this great gap. This dilemma of how would mankind be saved by a dead man. If you consider this, the, the disciples, the followers of Jesus were at a loss at, at this point when Jesus died. Because from their perspective, he was going to reign. He was going to be king. And they were his followers, so naturally they were thinking of themselves. Right? And their thought process is, hey, this is good. This means good things for us. Because we all know that it's not about what you know. It's about who you know. Right? And these guys are saying, we've, we've walked with Jesus. We're his, we're his people. And now all of a sudden he's dead. Not only are his followers now mourning the loss of their friend... They're mourning the loss of everything else that they had planned in their mind was going to happen. There was a lot going on here. They scattered. They were scared because what are we going to do? 
Every single thing that we thought was going to take place is now void. And not only that, but they killed Jesus. We thought he was invincible. What are they going to do to us? And the reality is, if Jesus had stayed dead, we would have still, just like the disciples at that time, we have a lot to fear. We wouldn't have hope. We would have, there would be no excitement to say, whoa, look what, look what he has accomplished. There would be mourning on this day. But now we have a reason to celebrate because we understand that Christ's victory was not merely an earthly campaign, but rather an eternal triumph for all humanity. Apart from the resurrection of Christ, there is no gospel. Secondly, if it had been us, everyone say, if it had been us, there would be no empty tomb. Look at verse 5. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. Can you imagine what that first greeting was like? And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now put your finger in Matthew 28. I want you to flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with me. It's going to be on forward into the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want us to think about, as you're turning there, I want you to think about, for just a second, the reality, the reality of our earthly body. And I haven't been in ministry a whole, a very long time, but the reality is, from the very beginning, there's a pretty consistent conversation amongst people that, they really don't like getting older. Because you can't do what you want to do. And things hurt. And it's frustrating. Especially when you really enjoy doing. And I've never met someone near the end of their life who didn't still want to do the things that they always did. They still do. In fact, that's one of the reasons it's, it's so exciting to sit and talk with someone who's lived life a long time because they still have those same desires, those same passions. The only difference is they've been able to live them. And yet, we don't often stop and think about this earthly shell of our body until it starts deteriorating on us. Or until we break something. I didn't didn't really know what that was like. I had not broken a bone before until I was doing youth ministry in Oregon. And I can't believe I'm about to tell you this story. 
When you're, when you're around a group of junior high and high schoolers, they, they talk a big talk, and sometimes you just feel like you want to do something that shows them up. <laughs> but it's usually not a good idea, okay? And I, I had never broken a bone before. And uh, I had a high school student who was convinced that he could kick two water bottles at the same time. So hold them out here, drop them, kick them, okay? And it was just... It was laughable, his attempts to try. Everyone was laughing. He was laughing. He's like, no one can do this. And I got this. And so beyond my further judgment, I don't think my wife was there. Or she probably would have told me, this really isn't a good idea. Um, I held two water bottles out in front of me. I jumped in the air and kicked my feet out. And you, yeah, you can picture what's happening next. I quickly realized there's no way I jumped high enough to get my feet back under me. And so I put my hands behind me like this to catch myself. And this wrist landed flat on the concrete sidewalk. Okay? Really, I thought I just sprained it. So I went on to lead worship, play guitar. And it wasn't until that night that uh, I was up all night with my wrist between uh, two frozen bags of peas. And all I did was I broke a tiny little bone right behind my thumb. And you know what? I had to be in a cast from my thumb around my fingers all the way up to my shoulder. My wife was not happy because we were just a couple months away from our second born being born. But I, I, assured, I reassured her. I said, hey, I am in permanent reinforced baby holding position. So we're Okay. <laughs> Nevertheless, it was the first time I'd realized that being immobilized in such a way was so frustrating because I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. Now, the reality is, every bit of that when we are broken or as we age and we can't do the things we want to do, it should bring this reality to mind of us going, okay, there's something about my current state that is not eternal. There is something about my current being that is not going to last forever. And you talk to anyone, anyone, they will tell you that death is a reality. We're going to die. This earthly body is going to die. It fades, it wears out, it dies. And that's what... 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, it says in verse 1, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burned, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit, His Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. 
So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The reality of this is, our earthly body, our earthly dwelling is temporary. No one is going to dispute that fact. But the fact that is often disputed is what lies beyond this. What hope is there beyond this? There's people who believe when we die, that's it. You're gone, you're done. There's some people whose idea of eternity is shaped by country music. Okay? And honestly, we shouldn't, we shouldn't necessarily laugh at that. I do, okay? But in reality, if that's the truth we're building this off of, then we shouldn't be surprised, right? If that's all I hear, if that's the narrative I hear, then why wouldn't that be true? And yet, when we stop and think about it, then what is the line? Because I know that I'm dead. And I know that if, if there's life after death, there has to be something that gives power in that. There, there has to be more than just this earthly shell. Because it fades. And if it was us, if we were responsible for our way to eternity, then there wouldn't be an empty tomb. There would be no life over death. Because there had to be a showing, there had to be something that proved that there was someone who was more powerful than death. Someone who could give life that went beyond just my mortal shell. James 4.14 says, What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Psalms 102 verse 3 says, For my days pass away like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. Many of us can relate to that, how quickly time goes and how quickly our body fades. Apart from Christ's resurrection, there is no new. There is no transformation. There is no glorification. There is no restoration. All of that takes the old dying with the hope of the new rising. Christ had to not only die, but rise again to show that there is hope for new life and it's found in Him. Apart from the resurrection of Christ, there is no gospel. If it had been us, everyone say if it had been us. There would be no good news. Now, this goes back to our main idea. What is the gospel? And it's a lot simpler than sometimes we make it to be. The word gospel simply means good news. Hey, everyone say good news. How many of you here like to hear good news? Raise your hands. Yep, we all do. Okay. <clears throat> when it comes to eternity, when it comes to life... Good news is found in Christ. And some of us sitting here are going, why? 
why is good news found in Christ? Good news is found in Christ because when we really stop and think about it, you and I each screw up. We mess up. Man, we make some boneheaded decisions. We really do. No one in here is exempt from that. Every single person in here could highlight multiple instances in their life where they go, man, I wish I would have done that differently. It doesn't matter what you've come from, where you've been, what your background is, where you are today. It doesn't matter if you've grown up in church, if you've never stepped foot in a church. Every one of us has made some really poor decisions. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, well, how many good decisions do I need to make in order to outweigh the bad decisions in my life? Because if we don't ask that question, then all of a sudden, those people who we go, man, that person's definitely not going to be in a good place when they die. Well, why not? What's the standard? What's the standard? Is it someone who murders someone? Is that the standard? What about the person who's unfaithful in their marriage? Is that the standard? Or what about the person who perpetually lies? What about the person who is just always greedy and they're out for themselves? What's, what's the line? And you start to see, this is a slippery slope. Because when I set the standard as a human being, all of a sudden, this is not even, this is not fair. Because someone else over here is going, well, I, I may not have met your standard, but I think I'm pretty good. And scripture speaks of a righteous judge, a perfect being, the creator, who has a standard of within himself because he embodies what it means to be in right standing. And no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've been through, we're all going to stand before him someday and give an account. And he's the judge. But the good news, the good news is that through Christ, through his son, God says, I paved the way. I sent my son to live a sinless life, perfect life, because he knew that we couldn't. And we can't dispute that. And then Jesus paid the price for the payment of sin is death. Why, why is it death? Have you ever thought about that? And it comes back to a standard of cleansing. How many of you guys, when you start a project and it just goes to pieces, you just scrap it and you start over? Because it's not worth trying to piece it back together. Well, when we mess up, that right standing is blown to pieces. And at that point, the only thing that's going to re-cleanse and renew and rejuvenate is if the old dies. And if there's nothing to fulfill that void and step into the barrier for the new, then it just dies and it's dead. Jesus was the one who stepped in and filled that barrier. And he died to say, here is the brokenness of the sin of mankind. And then he rose again to say, but that is not enough to defeat the Son of God. And so there's hope in that. There's good news in that. 
The good news is that though you are guilty of sin, though you have separated yourself from God, though the good you do does not outweigh the bad, there is hope, there is life, there is Jesus. Turn with me to one more passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's start in verse 12. And uh, this was written, this was penned by a man named Paul who was previously Saul. And if you ever want to know more about who this guy was and kind of his story, read through Acts chapter 9. And you get a background on this guy. But he had a pretty messed up life before. And then God changed, transforms him, and he, he's preaching the gospel, the good news to these churches. But he says this, starting in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you that say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, everyone say but. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that would be Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Now, I get to the part you've all been waiting for. When you look up here and you see these things, okay? WD-40, duct tape, baling twine, and some good old baling wire. What do you automatically think of? Fixing something! Man, if you throw these in your four-wheeler toolbox or in your truck or in your car, pretty much anything, you can solve it. You got something seized up, spray some of this on there, it unseizes it. You want something to be tight, hold still, you use one of these. You want to make a makeshift pulley mechanism? I've done that before. There's really endless possibilities here. And you know what the reality is? We've got a lot of stuff in our life that needs fixed. 
And we've got a lot of this kind of stuff in our toolboxes. Because we know that I got stuff that's going to need fixed. At some point, something's going to break. And I need a way to fix it. So I'm going to keep the essentials. Some of you here today are facing some struggles. You're not sure how to fix it. And if you're anything like me, you get really frustrated when something comes up, something happens and you can't fix it. Something happens in your marriage and you just want to fix it. And you can't because putting a piece of duct tape over your wife's mouth is not a good idea. Okay? Don't do it, guys. And yet some of you, some of you here today are feeling pretty good about yourself. You're feeling like you got stuff pretty well organized, stuff is fixed. You've got a lifetime supply of this stuff. You, every, you got everything you need. I want you to consider some things in application today as we finish out this morning. One, I want you to consider the things in your life that you are not in control of. Because there's a lot. There's a lot we can identify and say, yeah, I can control this. I can control how I make my money. I can control where it goes. I can, to a point, control how my kids behave. I can control how I use my time. I can control where I live. Or the things that I have. Do you know there's one thing we've already identified that we can't control? It's death. We've all been impacted by those who have taken from us much sooner than we ever anticipated. We can't control that timeline. For all we know, there's somebody in here who's not going to be here much longer. We don't know that. We have no way of telling. We're not in control of those things. How do you fix that? Because this stuff isn't going to do. How do you fix relational problems? That are just coming back over and over and over again. And you just can't seem to get anywhere. You've seen counselors or you've talked with other people. And you just can't seem to figure it out. The fix is not within yourself. That's bad news, right? But the good news is... Jesus came so we could have life. To where we recognize it's not in my control, but it's in His. And Scripture tells us that if you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. If you believe that He died because you can't do it. If you believe that He rose again because there had to be a showing that He was more powerful than death itself. Otherwise, there is no hope for us. It doesn't matter if we believe in him or not, if he's still dead. Consider what you are not in control of. Secondly, now, let me preface this when you hear it, okay? Because when you first read this, you're going to go, what What are you talking about? Secondly, stop celebrating Easter. Here's why I say that. We make it all about this one day. 
And the resurrection, the good news, the gospel, should be something that impacts us every single day. Because if that is where life is found and life eternal, then I am foolish if I only celebrate Easter. If I only celebrate the resurrection of Christ, then what hope is there for me for the other 364 days of the year? The true hope is in the reality that life in Christ is life eternal. That's every day, not just today. And thirdly, don't keep silent. When Jesus appeared to the disciples at the end of the book of Matthew, it says the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's every day. And that term, go and make disciples, is really an active thing. It's as you are going Make disciples. That's what we're about here. That's our prayer. Is that this would be more than just Easter. That this would be more than just a one-time celebration. Woohoo! This is exciting. But that we would recognize that there is life. That apart from the resurrection of Jesus, there is no gospel. There is no good news. That's why we celebrate this. That's why this is so important. That's why this message has to be one that's shared. That people know what is the gospel? Who is Jesus? Because he's way more and has given way more than most people even know. And that's why the church exists. Not for ourselves. Because we can't do it ourselves. What's the ways to be miserable? We think about us. We think about I. We're focused on ourselves. We never serve other people. May that not be who we are. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. And they're going to lead us in this last song. And as they're coming, I want you to consider these truths today. And consider where you're at. The question I always ask people, I love asking people this, is if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would be? Do you know what would happen? There's a way for you to be sure, but it's only through Christ. And there's a ton of people here today. If you came with family members who regularly come here, they could tell you. Ask him about it. Ask him what the gospel is and what does this really mean for me? Ask those hard questions. Be okay with doubting, but don't just remain in your doubt. Ask the questions. Do the research. Look. Search for the truth. And then give God the glory.
for who he makes you to be as you discover who he is. Heavenly Father, we pray that this would be clear, that you would continue to work and teach and grow us and help us to understand that apart from your resurrection, there is no gospel, there is no good news. But more than that, I pray that today we would not just cease celebrating today, but Father, we would go and continue to celebrate each day those of us who know that we have life and life eternal through Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.